Welcome to the podcast series, Redefined in Christ. Each episode explores what it means to live a life of freedom through what Christ accomplished on the cross. So let's listen in on what our host, Tim Atterbury, is teaching on today. All right, welcome to the podcast today. My name's Tim Atterbury, and I'm glad you joined us. Today we're going to be talking about the expression of God's holiness in the earth. And we'll be specifically talking about it in the earth because I believe that's what the Bible generally calls His glory, is how it's expressed in the earth. So, I mentioned uh, in the last podcast about our divine nature. So, I thought I would take a little time today to share with you my understanding of the divine nature in the form of the glory of God on the earth. The Bible says that we are the church, and the church is His glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18. You can look at Ephesians 1.12, Ephesians 3.21, and even 1 Peter 4.14 to give reference to those uh, references of the church being the glory. So, I think it's worth our time today to look into the idea of the glory of God, and more specifically, what it means that we would be His glory. I expect this podcast probably lasts about 20 minutes. It'll be shorter than, than the ones I've done previous. They seem to be getting longer and longer, so I'm trying to behave myself. So we'll give you a little break today. But I do want to share my thoughts on this. A definition of what glory is can be difficult to explain. And it's like when a person says, God is holy. Well, what, what does it mean, the word holy? But to be holy is to be perfect or to be separated. It is a spiritual word. In Isaiah 6, the first part of that, the cherubim, which most believe are a class of angels, they're heard saying, holy, 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 when they see the train of God's robe fill the temple. For us to imagine what holy means, it's difficult because we are unfamiliar with what holy really is. It's almost impossible to imagine. I'm reminded of Psalms 47, 8 that tells us that God is seated on His holy throne. I usually quote out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, but I do like how the King James Version puts this particular verse. It says, God sitteth upon the throne of His holiness. Imagine God who sits in the throne of His own holiness. I actually wrote that line into a song one time. It's a throne shrouded in holiness, and it's his own holiness. The angels had seen God for possibly millions and millions of years, if we can even reference it in the form of time. But when they saw his glory in Isaiah 6, they were so amazed. The Bible says they looked at one another to proclaim that excitement. Now, I'm sure you've had this experience before. You see something amazing. When you do, you don't want to just experience it yourself. You don't look at that thing that's so great. What you do is look at the person next to you, and you're looking back and forth at them and the thing, and you tell them, wow, look at that. Well, that's really amazing. That's the first thing that you want to do is share it with someone else. This is the picture in Isaiah. These angels after a millennium, are still amazed with God's glory in the temple and so much that they look at one another and say, holy, holy, holy. Wow. 
Imagine that moment. Imagine what Isaiah saw. Today we want to talk about his glory. It is much easier to understand if I explain glory as an aspect of God's holiness. When I study glory, the glory of God, I've discovered that it's possible to say that the glory of God is a manifestation of holiness of God. So I want to say it like this. God's glory is God's expression of holiness in the earth. Let's look one more time at Isaiah 6. His glory fills the temple is what it says. It is a vision of Isaiah. It's a vision of God's holiness in the earth. And so his glory was filling up the temple. His glory is in things that we are able to see. Psalms 8 also speaks of the glory of God. In description of the glory, he says we are able to find this glory upon the earth, in the sky, and in men. Let me read you part of it. It says, When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you remember him? The son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. Some some translate that word God as Elohim. It comes from Elohim, which can be translated God, gods, or angels, or holy ones. I guess you could understand it anyway, but man is crowned a little lower than him with glory and honor. I suppose some would say this is a prophecy of Jesus because it says the Son of Man. Jesus was a man and was made lower than the angels in his human form. This is according to Paul. But there are other scriptures that point to human beings, not just Jesus in the form of man. On a close examination of this chapter, you will see that his name is glorious in all the land. And he has put his glory over the sky and we are crowned with glory and honor. So it begs the question, why are we here? Why are we so important to God to be considered His glory? Ephesians 1.12 says, we are here for the praise of His glory. Ephesians 3.21 says, to Him will be the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 4.14 says that the glorious Spirit of God rests on us. The Spirit of glory, honor, and praise. Notice in these scriptures that we are to be the glory of God on the earth, His Spirit in us. And my friend, that makes us partakers of His divine nature. We bring God's glory as we allow Him to work through us. So today what I want you to do is just consider four ways to understand more about the glory of God in our own lives. First, we must see the glory. Second, I believe that we, to understand more about His glory, we have to experience His glory. Then I also believe that we have to have a revelation of God's love to understand more about His glory. And finally, I'm going to talk just a little bit about a spiritual transformation that will help us see His glory. So, first, we must see the glory. It's Acts 7.55, it says this, But Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw God's glory 
with Jesus standing at the right hand of God. We see Acts 7 is a great chapter if you want to brush up on the summary of Jewish history. And Stephen knew it well and now was going to pay for his message with his life. He was the first martyr. But for our purpose today, notice here what Stephen saw. Because if you're like me, you've heard several people speak about Stephen being killed, stoned to death, and about him seeing Jesus at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the scriptures say he was standing at the right hand of the throne of God. So implying the, the picture that because other scriptures say he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, that Jesus stood up when Stephen was stoned. What an amazing picture of reverence. And that's awesome. But what I want us to look at is something I never remembered hearing before until I looked at this scripture again, studying this, this actual topic. It says that Stephen, being filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. And what did he do? He saw God's glory. How do we see God's glory? Well, when it happened with Stephen, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he put his eyes on heaven and then he saw the glory of God. And after that, he saw Jesus at his right hand. More than once in my life, I remember moments of spiritual revelation of God's glory. Right now, in, in studying this, I thought of three different times that I had experienced something I would consider God's glorious manifestation here on the earth. And each time was different, but each time I really physically looked toward the heavens and saw a manifestation of God's glory. I remember each moment to this day, and I doubt that it was the glory that Stephen saw, but each time I can guarantee you it changes your life. So the second way to understand more about the glory of God in our lives is to ask God to have the experience of His glory, as Moses did in Exodus thirty-three sixteen, when he said, show me your glory. Remember, he saw the glory of God and his face shone like an angel. That's what was said of Stephen, actually, this face shone like an angel. And Moses' face shone like an angel and he had to cover it. He was shining. Ha, huh. to be in the presence of God and see the manifestation of his glory on a human being. I don't know if you've seen that, but I've seen that on people where their lives have been transformed. Also, we can look at John eleven forty. We see Jesus after the death of his friend Lazarus. is telling his sister, didn't, he's telling Lazarus' sister, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, Martha, his sister, didn't really ask to see the glory of God directly, but what did she want to see? Well, she wanted to see her brother live. And we have no record, I didn't see it, where Jesus said that she would see God's glory, but he did say, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? That's what he asked her. Wow, what a statement of revelation. As you know, I've frequently mentioned in these podcasts that we have died in Christ and all live in Christ if we only believe This is the revelation he was sharing with Martha in this conversation. You see, at this moment, Jesus also got angry when he saw the mourning of the Jews and saw Mary's hurt. The word anger is strong here in the Greek. It it is a powerful usage of the word, like he was really, really angry. Really angry. Why was he angry enough that twice the scriptures say he was angry in two places right there? 
And then afterwards we see how he wept. He is angry and he's weeping. It seems with such anger, he was probably affected by seeing death. You see, death was ruling over all the people and he saw it. Remember, God's anger was focused on sin's grip on the human race, condemning us to death. Remember that when Jesus hung on the cross, God took his wrath up on Jesus. Anger. So Jesus stood there with his friend as a victim of death and, and the whole crowd gripped by it. But he did something that no one had ever seen. Jesus called forth a dead man after he'd been laying in the tomb for three days. And just as a side note here, um, the Sanhedrin court met and was discussing what to do about Jesus and his miracles after this. And it was there, based on the event, that Caiaphas, the high priest, that year said to them, he said, you're not considering that this is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish? Some of us would think this choice of Caiaphas was evil because that day they did begin to plot Jesus' death. But John, in his book, reminds us to remember it wasn't by Caiaphas of his own ability. Because he was the high priest, God used him to prophesy the death of Jesus. Hmm. Something spiritual eyes can see sometimes that natural eyes miss. The third way to understand more about the glory of God in our lives is to have more of a revelation of God's Love. Romans 5, 5, Galatians 5, 6. Love is the glory of the Holy Spirit in us. Through love, we have faith to receive miracles and see the glory in our lives. So it is the Holy Spirit in us that loves through us. Just like anything else, we can't do it of our own ability. The Holy Spirit is a witness and testifies of Jesus. That's according to the words of Jesus. And Jesus testifies to the truth of God according to his own words. What does this tell us? That while on the earth, Jesus and now the Holy Spirit testify of the God of love who is our Father and sacrificially cares about us. This is God's glory. This kind of love pouring into us and out of us is God's glory. Jesus came to this world, and one of his reasons was to bring glory to the Father. How does he do it? Now he does it through us. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever thought about yourself as the shining glory of God to the world around you? Imagine every day if we start our day looking in a mirror and saying this, today I'm going to bring glory to God through the love that passes through me to the world around me. The fourth and final reason I want to mention is spiritual transformation, but it's really not a small thing. When we, we receive Christ in our lives and we begin to grow up in His love, that's how we grow spiritually, through His love. As we grow and develop in Him, we're going to change from glory to glory. According to 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 1 Corinthians 3.6, glory to glory the Holy Spirit of God. So my friend, as you fulfill your role on the earth, 
you will see that the goal is much as it was with Jesus in us to be the glory of God. Sure, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Luke 19.10 says that. Sure, he came to testify of the truth of God. That's in John 10.37 and John 1.7. But ultimately, he came to glorify God. John 17, verse 1 through 5. These are the things he tells us of himself. His spirit in us seeks to do the same thing. Save the lost. Testify of the love of God. And bring glory to the God of love. Our Father, who is love. We're no longer without the love of God in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. You see, you're a son or you're a daughter of God. And Paul asks, why do you act like a slave? He asked him in Galatia, Galatians 3.26, why do you act like you're slaves when you're not? You're sons. <laughs> Look, I want to read this in Galatians 4, 17. We'll close here shortly. I mean, sorry, 4, verse 1 through 7. Let me read this. It's my hope that you will realize who you are in Christ. Because you're a divine child of God. You are partakers of His divinity. You are the glory of God on this earth. We've got to let Him shine through us. Listen, chapter 4, 1 through 7 says this. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no, in no way from the slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of this world. When the time came to completion, God sent a son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that you might, you might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. <laughs> this is some amazing scripture. Once you understand the things I've been talking about in the podcast about, about no longer being under the law, you see, the children of Israel, he's really referring to the Jewish history here, and he's saying, you were under the law. You were a child, and you were treated just like a slave. You had to obey all the rules and regulations and the laws in the household, but at some point, you become the son. When that time came, he says, to completion, God sent his son. Wow. So this is talking about when Jesus came and died on the cross, and we died in him, and we live and are resurrected through him, and we are in him so that we might receive the adoption of sons. This is our adoption of sons. So, I can't get into all that, but if you study it a little bit, you'll see the adoptions of sons. There's, there's sonship where you grow up and you get out on your own and you, and you don't follow the rules of the household, but you are a representative of the household and, and you're known by the name of your household. But this is, we're known by his name. And so, God sent his spirit. It says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we're crying out now. You cried in an altar, oh, dear Jesus, help me. And God, you're my Father now, and, and Jesus is living through me, and you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. And my friend, you're the glory of God in this earth. So, as always, let's grow up in love. I always mention it. 
that as we grow in love, we also grow in faith. So we know that because faith works through love. So let faith work through love in your life. And I'll see you in another week. We'll have another podcast. Looking forward to it. And this one was a little shorter, like I said, about 20 minutes. And I've been going long, so we cut this one short today. And we'll do another one next week. Looking forward to some awesome revelation from God. See y'all soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to tell your friends that they can find it on most major distributions. Just search Tim Atterbury or the title Redefined in Christ. You can learn more about Tim, his mission work in Honduras, and transcripts of these podcasts at www.timatterbury.website. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, faith works through love.